Hi, I'm Zainab and welcome to Project Millennial, a space for burned out millennials looking to live life more on their terms. Here we'll be sharing stories and insights from other millennials and also going deeper into topics like personal development, life, career, money and so much more. Essentially, we're moving away from autopilot and making more intentional decisions. My next guest is Dr. Salma Mirza, who, alongside her GP work, has a lifestyle clinic offering health and weight loss coaching, which she opened in 2019. This comes after completing a lifestyle medicine diploma from the British Society of Lifestyle Medicine last year. In this interview, we'll go through Salma's journey, plus we'll get some more details about the diploma as well. If you enjoy this episode, please leave a rating and leave me a message too, as I really like hearing your thoughts. So we'll just jump straight into it. Could you introduce yourself for us? I'm Dr. Salma Merza. I'm a GP. In 2019, I launched my own uh, lifestyle medicine practice, and that's called London Lifestyle Clinic, which is mainly run by myself, based in central London. But since 2020, and for obvious reasons, it's all moved online. Okay, so just to break that up a little bit. So you are a GP. When did you qualify as a GP? So I qualified um, as a GP in 2012. So I did I did my initial training, med- medical training at UCH uh, or UCL. Then moved up into the Midlands and did, you know, all, all, all the kind of house officer jobs and things like that. And then moved and did my GP training back where I live now in Hertfordshire. What made you choose GP? Uh, it's, it's, it's probably one of these things that I made that decision quite early on. I've always was told it's a great balance for a woman, career versus kids. Uh, you get time off, you don't do nights. And um, apparently it would have been a, a, quite a cushy job compared to hospital medicine, conducive <laughs> to, to family life. And being sort of in my 20s, not having a family, it, it seemed like the right thing to do at the time. <laughs> And in terms of all of the things that you mentioned, did you find that GP did sort of qualify all those things? It does give the flexibility to, you know, almost 10 years on from qualifying is giving me the flexibility to do what I really want, what I really feel passionate about. And it's opened up a lot of doors for for those sort of things. And I've got three kids and, you know, get a lot of time to spend with them and you know so it does work out quite well so when you qualified in or let's say back when you were you know trying to get into GP was it the did you have the idea back then that you were going to do things alongside GP or did that come did that realization come later that absolutely later um at the time I I started off um you know doing the VTS training straight off the back of house officer you know, and it was just a natural progression. I applied to it, started the VTS, was working, you know, full time, everything. And then, as with probably a lot of women, um, you, you know, you find yourself pregnant and um, you know, got, <laughs> got married and got pregnant in, in last year of VTS. And so prior to that, um, you know, often I show people this sort of graph of loads of career aspirations, you know, I won a prize for this and that, you know, it's very academic, very, um, you know, passionate about general practice, had a baby and 
nothing. <laughs> the, the, the CV just was blank for like two, three years after that. It's just juggling and managing, just trying to stay afloat. Um, so no, not at all. There was, besides giving me the flexibility to have a family, um, I never thought I would step outside mainstream GP work. I was looking forward to becoming a partner and all those things, which then in the end, after having the first kid, all went out the window. <laughs> So I understand that you have three kids now. Do you, was it the case that after your third child that you decided to change things up? Yeah, and I mean, just to clarify, I've got three kids and actually four jobs. Um, (laughs) um, So which you can do. But yeah, um, it was off. I I think the way that I started practising medicine, particularly when you have a family, you start, you know, when you have your first kid, you suddenly understand what parents are coming in with when they're worried about their child and you start having a slightly different understanding I think a little bit with age a little bit with experience you start having more of an understanding why people are coming in it's not black and white they're not just coming in because their kids got a rash they've got real scares they're really worried about what's going on and and I think with each child and as my own family was growing uh both the young ones were getting older but the older ones are getting older you start to actually uh, you know it's horrible to say it this way you start to actually relate to people as a human as opposed to a GP and the patient relationship you start seeing as people as they're worried they're worried about their health they're worried about their future they're worried about their loved ones and you are actually placed as a GP, not just as somebody to resolve their diseases. And so that started to come into play probably years before I started formally practicing lifestyle medicine. So in terms of the diploma itself, could you talk us through what what actually goes into it? The lifestyle medicine diploma is actually made up of three mm-hmm. parts. Um, mm-hmm. It's a you have to do about 30 hours of, of CPD and part of that is attendance to the annual conference which is really really interesting completely different type of conference that you've been to in medicine before um, speakers all about all different topics including singing and dancing and things like that um, and then there's two other parts which is the exam and a case study um, and the, the exam multiple choice based on the literature that is given for you to prepare for it and the case study is, is something of your own choosing. Um, it would be a patient or a family member or anyone that you've had a lifestyle medicine journey with and you're documenting that and you're documenting the changes, the, imp- the, the things that you've implemented and, and the changes and the outcomes of it. That sounds really interesting. The 30 CPD hours of a they of your choosing, um, you choose... Um, no, they, they have to be in? approved and accredited. And actually, there's um, a lot of that is taken up in the actual work related to what you would end up revising for as well. So there's a booklet that has all the studies about, you know, lifestyle medicine or all the big, um, you know, studies that have been done that relate to it. Um, so just working through the modules on that actually gets you the, the 30 CPD hours um those are the accredited hours um and like i said the conference as well adds i think it's, it's over two days um right so I'm, I'm i guess my question is so everyone does the same work apart from yeah. sort of the individual um case studies everyone's doing the same absolutely yeah it's okay. the, yeah it's the same preparation the case study is very individual i didn't ever get to see anybody else's one um but mm-hmm. i subsequent you know so people who've done it this year i've given them a bit of advice and they're 
the case studies are very different to mine. Did you enjoy the process? I did. What, what it was, I thought was really great about doing it was that, as I said, for I think for several years before that, I felt that there was this gap in the way that we practice medicine. And, you know, when you look at nice guidance or you look at any guidance, any protocols for how to treat certain diseases, hypertension, diabetes, etc., there would be a very flippant paragraph of suggest some lifestyle changes and then it would move on to the medications and, you know, the real stuff. Um, so it was really nice, actually, to to see what those lifestyle changes were and you know the objectiveness of those just like you would have in all right a statin does x y and z and there's been this many people and this was the outcomes the lifestyle interventions were exactly the same the studies were fascinating and so it really you know it put me on the bones of what we're all saying which is actually the main thing should be looking at your lifestyle interventions first doing that well and then medication comes after Mm. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right, because anytime I've read a textbook, yeah, it's off a lifestyle um, interventions, and then it just goes straight into yeah. medication. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's really important, particularly when you're, you know, when you're seeing patients or, or clients, as I call them, you know, in, in lifestyle medicine, but um, when you're seeing somebody, it's saying to someone, right, you should do a bit more exercise and eat a bit more healthy, there's, there's absolutely... That's not helpful to anybody. If you can break it down and say, look, you know, what do you enjoy doing? What activity do you enjoy doing? And, you know, inevitably it will be like, well, I can't go to the gym because I've got back problems or, or this and that. You say, right, well, what can you do? And they will find things that they, you know, want to do and can do, you know. And it's putting it, you know, you're giving them it a lifestyle intervention as a prescription is so much more effective saying, right, how about you just go out for a walk once for 15 minutes on a Tuesday and they will adhere to that they will do it and they'll feel they'll benefit and they'll end up doing it two three times Mm -hmm. but when you sit there and you say right okay get some you know improve your diet get some exercise nothing will change (laughs) and I guess as a GP you would have sort of experienced that having had you know many many patients walk through your door and go through this sort of the same thing and say the same things again and again yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the the sort of real ball really dropped with me was when I came back to medicine after the, I think the second or the third um, kid, uh, too many children, is it <laughs> <laughs> and so I was working in a practice, it's a practice in Hertfordshire, you know, it's equivalent to like an inner city kind of practice, you know, very urban very, you know, deprived kind of, uh, you know, patients and things. So, you know, I would had like my regulars come in for their blood pressure, diabetes, whatnot. And I went off on my maternity leave for a year and, and, I, and I came back and I found that nobody was better. Everybody's the same. The same people were, you know, making the appointments to come back and see me. And it really kind of made me reflect on that and say, look, what am I doing? Why am I you know they're just coming back I'm just upping their pills just you know what are we doing are we actually making anything better here or are we just making a longer and longer list of people who are on longer and longer lists of medication you know and and it was it was you know in a weird way it was quite upsetting to see those people again it was nice obviously they were you know like they have to see me again but it really I would have loved to see them say right 
actually, I didn't need to come back again because I took X, Y, and Z advice and actually my blood pressure has come down, my cholesterol is better, I feel happier in myself. Thank you for your help and I'm going to be off on my way now. <laughs> but you barely see that. <laughs> my, my, one of the things that I'm thinking about is um, I know that this accreditation, I've actually seen quite a few people um, post it on their Instagram that they've just, you know, they've, they've got yeah. this accreditation now. And I wonder what is the, the, the general path? Is it for people to actually bring this into their general practice? Or is it more for people to, I guess, utilise it in the way that you have and sort of have a separate thing? um there's been a massive variety from what i've seen so when i did it last year very few people were doing this either in medicine in in normal mainstream medicine and uh, even fewer doing it privately and and separately seeing seeing clients so i mean just to explain what i do why i see them in a private setting um although i'm a gp you know i see them as consultations which aren't medical they're they're lifestyle consultations as a lifestyle practitioner um and and, you know there's various sort of red tape reasons why those two things have to be kept separate um but there is no consensus in it and i I think one of the feelings particularly at the conference when you meet a lot of people are very passionate really interested about it is how do we bring this into the mainstream and you know on one hand it you know, there is sort of very local, you know, incentives to get this going. But, you know, it's not a top-down thing where the government's saying, actually, we do need to have this type of interventions for people. It's the other way around. It's people like myself who are really passionate about it, really believe in it, who will put in time and effort for change. Um, So it's it's a big mixed picture. I think this year I found... Certainly, there was a much bigger cohort that have done it, and there's been people have done it because they've received funding from the local CCGs, etc., to do it. So there's really it's a really nice feeling that actually it is being probably brought more and more into the mainstream. Mm, yeah, because there, I mean, there's definitely a space for it, like you've explained, because of you know the way that we're seeing. We know that lifestyle medicine, like lifestyle interventions, is really important. Like we, even though we're not really taught the individual aspects very well in medicine we can appreciate that you know these things do make a difference so moving into your clinic so if someone wanted to book a session with you how does it generally go so um it's really i mean again this is all private so that you know this isn't on the on the nhs so i i can work however i want and and the best Mm -hmm. so the way that i work now um you know, bearing in mind that sort of COVID sort of changed everything. But what what generally works is um, so that they'll contact me and I will always have a discussion with them over the phone just to find out what it is, what their concerns are, what they hope to achieve. Because you do get... So one, one of the things that I do is a lot about weight but not in the context of just beauty, but, you know, weight to gain healthy weight for health goals, for for health purposes. So a lot of people, they do phone in with very unrealistic expectations of what they want to do. They want to lose weight quickly. And it's actually quite sad when they say, do you do those injections to make me lose weight? It's like, no, no, no. 
I, I'll give you a lifestyle change over the course of the next year and that will help you not only lose the weight but sustain those healthy choices into the long run. Anyway, so we do, I do an initial phone call um, and if they're happy, they'll come and see me. And the first consultation is about an hour and a half, two hours, and it's a full history. I, I do this history and I, I call it like a naught to now history where they will go through from the day that they were born to present day and they will tell me their history, whatever their significant life events are. Because through that, I'm extrapolating where things went wrong, basically. And, um, and you know, and that story you get, and it's sometimes the first time that anyone's ever sat down and has actually said their story. And by the end of it, you know, and that will often take people about an hour to just go through all of that. And they'll uh, sort of just saying it all out loud. They'll say, I know what's gone wrong here. They, you know, they'll have hit 25 and they've had a bad relationship and then they've lost their job and they've you know had depression and it spirals downwards and just seeing that pattern almost plotted out on a timeline they can see that and and, uh, almost inevitably you'll see the correlation between that and their ill health um Mm. and when they can see that so clearly and they'll say and then you know I broke up with my partner when I was 27 and then and you know when I was 29 I got high blood pressure and and it escalates and when they plot that out it's almost like it's laid out in front of them where the problem was and then you go and unpick it and it's such a satisfying pro process and you see people through it and yeah lifestyle medicine concentrates on activity and healthy eating and all that but it's also about your mindset your purposefulness in life you know what your aims are short-term goals you know who you are your self-confidence all these things come into play and and as these things unravel you know the healthy eating happens automatically um and it lags it in and it's a self-perpetuating cycle upwards as opposed to downwards um so then like i said so that will be the initial consultation I'll put that all together and give them a plan based on what they've said to me. And then, then over the, the sessions following, they'll, we'll take that plan and put it into small, manageable little tasks every week. We'll do this this week. We'll do that this week, you know. And we build it up and we build it over, up over six months, a year. And it's lovely. <laughs> I find that so interesting that you start all the way from the beginning. And I mean, like you said, like, I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question. I can imagine if you, yeah, there would be life events that would have led to certain health conditions. But unless someone's asked you, you probably don't make that correlation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. So it's more, it's, it's a very holistic way of looking at a person rather than just sort of the condition that you have now. That's really interesting. Has anyone ever taken a back when you ask them to start from the beginning? No, it, it's funny because it's always really welcomed. And, and, and I think it's almost cathartic for them to have said their story. And, and a lot of the people that are coming to me, you know, because they've reached dead ends other places, they've, they've reached a dead end with their fibromyalgia, you know, they see the kind of roll in the eyes of the GP when they've sat and they said they're still in pain or, you know, when they do want to lose weight and, you know, they're like, well, you know, you're 95 kg, you've got no chance, you know, that type of thing. So they, they've had closed doors and when they sit down, and when they are telling their story 
and they can see me writing notes and interested in asking the questions. They're feeling that for the first time, somebody is listening to me, you know, and, you know, as a doctor, and I did it myself, uh, particularly, you know, NHS 10 minute clinic, you know, 10 minute appointments, you know, whatever. And you're just like, you just tell me what your problem is and I'm gonna give you something for it and you're gonna go and I'm gonna get the next one in. And you don't have the capacity um, to give them what they need which is hearing them out and and once they're heard out you know once i've heard that their their story they feel that they've been listened to so at that point if i'm making a suggestion to them look i've heard what you have to say and i I completely understand i see you know where your issues are i see where the difficulties have been and then i make a suggestion or try and onboard them with some type of intervention they're there, they're on board, they're two steps ahead. What can I do next? I said, look, we'll do one thing at a time, <laughs> you know? That so, is incredible. Yeah. yeah, because, I mean, like I did GP very briefly as a foundation trainee. And even with my 30 minute appointments, sometimes that didn't always feel enough. But I, I think people, even though I was just an F2, I think people appreciated that I wasn't rushing them out because I had... Yeah, I had a much longer sort of space of time, even though I probably wasn't doing, I probably wasn't doing as good a job as a GP might do. But I think, yeah, yeah, I think just the act of being there, being present and listening. um, Yeah, I think that I think that definitely does make a difference. Um, How do you how do you feel your lifestyle certification or your lifestyle medicine certification has impacted your work as a GP? Um, good in a way, but it, it's just, it's been tough actually, because I'm fine. I find that 10 minutes now completely disingenuous from my, I, I feel disingenuous doing it. You know, I can't do it. It's like, once you've done a lifestyle medicine, you've looked into the power of changing, you know, the lifestyle intervention, the deeper rooted issues, you can't unsee it. So those people who are coming in for a repeat medication for their pain relief, it's hard to not do the naught to now history, you know, and so I find, and, and I think this is why I'm doing less and less NHS work, unfortunately, is because I, I, I don't feel I'm doing the right job by the, by the patients anymore because I can see it. I can see it, you know, in their body language and the things that they're opening up to say. And I'm looking at the time. I'm looking at, you know, the messages that are coming from reception. I'm looking at, you know, the, the queue of people. And, and I'm you know, deliberately ignoring those signals of I want to tell you my story. And, and it feels quite upsetting sometimes. Um, so, you know, but, you know, then I, it pays off when I, when I do the private work. <laughs> <laughs> so how does your week look like, I guess, today? Um, so, as <laughs> like I said, it's uh, four jobs, three kids. <laughs> so, you know, I've, I've, yeah, it's, it's busy. <laughs> obviously COVID has sort of changed things around so you know I do NHS GP work I do private GP work I do private online GP work um I do my lifestyle medicine and um and also I've got this really excellent role as a brand ambassador for a for a company that makes uh, care homes um to bring in a lifestyle element to how they're going to be developing the environments and how they relate to their clients as well 
So yeah, mainly it's it's drop off, <laughs> come back home by nine thirty and sit at my laptop. Various outfit changes for, <laughs> and 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 then you know three whatever three o'clock leave the house for for the for the pickups. <laughs> how does um, how does the private GP work differ from the NHS work? I mean, it's very similar in in, in a way. There's a lot more autonomy. There's a you know there's no scarcity of resources you know we've got ultrasound in-house you know we've got uh we've got everything in-house there so somebody comes in with a with a lump it's it's ultrasounded by the end of the day you know and Mm -hmm. they were told it's something or it's nothing um so it, it it's it's a real privilege for the people who have it it's a real privilege to work there um I, i'm very pro nhs i love it and and everything like that but you know when you start seeing how medicine can move forward both in the lifestyle aspect and resources and then you know it starts to expose gaping holes in the nhs and mm. um and it's hard like i said it's hard to unsee these things um and and, and a lot of general practice is about the person not their disease so if somebody's coming in what what might to you seem like quite obviously a benign you know absolutely harmless lump um you know on their arm or something no matter how many words do you say to them uh, you know it will, it's black and white scan that will confer you know that will alleviate them um alleviate that worry and and it's hard that you sort of put that you know you send them for a scan and they have to wait two three weeks to have it done on the nhs mm. and here you can say well i'll just get it done later in terms of your in terms of your clinic how do you see it moving forward going forwards so you know like i said covid changed a lot of things so we're seeing a lot of people face to face and that's all changed and and gone online so pretty much since March I haven't even been back in the office um I think bar twice when we had that little break in August um and I I was a bit worried that you can't get that same level of connection online and some of the practical things like you know weighing people doing measurements and um and you know obviously needs must found a way around it so I mean kind of exploring staying online even post-covid it works as you know, a mum um, for me to not be scooting in and out of London, it also gives other people access to me as well. So if you're based up in mm. Birmingham, you know you still have that access. Um, I think I I have a dream of you know expanding it and making it even more holistic with other complementary type services. I think the more I read about, the more I look into, you know the power of healing outside of medicine it works somebody will say to you somebody you know people do turn around and say look I had such and such treatment done and I feel better for it and surely that's what we're trying to aim for whether that's a massage or whether that's you know some aromatherapy or reflexology or something like that and there is evidence that these things make people feel better so it'd be really nice to work alongside different therapists you know and, and and you know really kind of embrace what the word well-being means you know it's not just have a pill in reverse you know change a disease course mm-hmm. you know it's making people feel better and then mm-hmm. they feel better with whatever they have 
Do you feel like you're in a constant sort of, you're constantly trying to get more sort of research, make sure that you, you're keeping up to date, you're finding out more about different complementary therapies that there are out there? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I have to say, um, I was probably quite cynical about complementary medicines when, you know, when I was first studying medicine, you know, soon out of medicine, sort of, you know, cocky house officer. Oh, yeah, you know, somebody <laughs> mentioned that they had some acupuncture for a headache. It'll be like, well, you know, it's not real medicine, <laughs> you know. And, and I was very much like that. And again, you know, time, age, experience, whatever it is, it's almost like, you know, when you study medicine, you become a doctor, you suddenly have this arrogance of like, well, yes, we've got our studies and, you know, all the literature that we've had in the last 40, 50 years, but you can't ignore thousands of years of Chinese medicine. You can't ignore, you know, hundreds of years of, you know, philosophy. You can't ignore all this stuff and say well we've got a study of you know you know a really robust study showing that statins work and that's the end of that and and it's actually shifting back and saying actually it was only you know a century ago that we were talking about these bad humors in our body and you've got too much whatever melancholy and not enough this and that and actually there's probably some element of truth in these things you know that we've got different body types what it is i don't know um you've got uh, so working very closely she started off as a client and now i work with her and she does ayurvedic medicine and you Mm. you literally cannot ignore that this works for people it's worked for people for hundreds of years yes we don't have the studies to back it up or that i you know i am a scientist at the end of the day as well but you know they're based on something you know it would be foolish to ignore like i said you know thousands of years of experience in that yeah I definitely agree and I've, I've, I've had conversations with other doctors and I guess the case there would be a case of like why don't we do more research into these areas um than, rather than just ignore it yeah and, and the cynical part of me says that you know Pfizer's not interested in how if you drink three litres of water a day it will cure all your diseases, you know. They'll go quite quickly out of business on that. <laughs> There's probably an element of that, yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for coming on. And So if anyone is interested in finding out more about Dr. Salma, um, you can visit her at www.drsalmamirza.com and if you want to find her on Instagram, you can find her at at Health Yourself London. Many thanks again to Salma for sharing her insights. Let me know what you thought of this episode and I'll see you next week for the next one. Bye.